Hello and welcome. You are listening to an informed take on current events brought to you by law students and staff of Queen's University Belfast. This is LawPod. Hello and welcome to another episode of LawPod. My name is Megan Hoyt and I'm a PhD researcher in the School of Law at Queen's University Belfast. Today I will be in conversation with Dr. Rona McQuigg, who is a senior lecturer in the School of Law at Queen's. Dr. McQuigg has written extensively on the issue of violence against women and specifically on the phenomenon of domestic abuse or intimate partner violence. In a recent blog post for QPOL, Dr. McQuigg highlighted the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the rates of domestic abuse. It's worth noting that we are recording this podcast just after the conclusion of the international campaign, 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence, which ran from November 25th, the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, to December 10th, Human Rights Day. The campaign draws attention to the reality and pervasiveness of gender-based violence, and this year there was considerable emphasis on what has been termed the shadow pandemic of domestic abuse. To help us explore the relationship between COVID-19 and domestic abuse, I would like to welcome Dr. McQuid to LawPod. Dr. McQuig, hello. Hello, Megan. Lovely to have you here on the podcast. I would like to begin with a bit of context, if you don't mind. So as someone who has been researching gender-based violence and domestic abuse prior to the pandemic, can you explain the impact of the pandemic for women who have been experiencing domestic abuse? Uh, Yes, thank you, Megan. So since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic, incidents of domestic abuse have increased dramatically around the world. Essentially, those already living in abusive relationships have found themselves to be even more isolated and trapped in such situations, given the lockdown and social distancing measures which have been imposed. In addition, the widespread anxiety created by the COVID-19 pandemic in terms of health concerns and also financial worries has increased tensions within many relationships, all too often resulting in violence. Indeed, the increase in rates of domestic abuse has been so marked that UN Women, which is the UN entity dedicated to gender equality, has termed violence against women during the COVID-19 pandemic as being the shadow pandemic. For example, in France, uh, reported cases of domestic abuse have increased by 30% since March 2020. In Argentina, emergency calls in relation to incidents of domestic violence have increased by 25% also since March. And in Singapore and Cyprus, domestic violence helplines have registered increases in calls of 33% and 30% respectively. 
increased rates for domestic violence and greater demand for emergency shelter provision have also been reported in the UK, the United States, Canada, Spain and Germany. And in Ireland, organisations such as Women's Aid reported an increase in the number of calls to their helplines and the Guardi reported a 25% increase in domestic violence calls in April and May of 2020 as compared to April and May of 2019. Now, of course, domestic violence is caused by the actions of individual perpetrators and the existence of the COVID-19 pandemic must in no way be seen to negate the responsibility of such perpetrators for their actions. However, the measures which have been adopted by governments around the world in order to limit the spread of COVID, although necessary, have nevertheless had the impact of exacerbating the suffering of those experiencing domestic abuse. The nature of domestic abuse is that it occurs behind closed doors. And in April 2020, around half of the world's population were in lockdown. And measures mandating that people should only leave their homes for essential purposes and severely limiting social contact meant that many victims of domestic violence were essentially trapped with their abusers with very little means of escape. And the situation was further exacerbated for victims who, due to pre-existing health conditions, were shielding from the virus and who could not therefore leave their homes at all. Indeed, such victims may have been in the position of being heavily reliant on their abusers in terms of purchasing food and collecting medication. It is common for perpetrators of domestic violence to attempt to isolate victims by cutting them off from family and friends. And with lockdown and social distancing measures, this was automatically affected without any effort on the part of perpetrators. And according to a survey carried out by Women's Aid in April 2020, 67% of those currently experiencing abuse said that it had got worse since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. And 76% said that they were having to spend more time with their abuser. 71% said their abuser had a greater level of control over their life since COVID-19 and 78% said that the pandemic had made it more difficult for them to leave their abuser. And in addition, the stresses associated with both the pandemic itself in terms of health concerns and also the impact of lockdown and social distancing measures in terms of, for example, financial worries have placed additional strains on relationships, which all too frequently have resulted in the occurrence of domestic violence. For example, in the survey that was carried out 
by Women's Aid, 30% of those experiencing domestic violence said that their abuser blamed them for the economic impact of COVID on the household. So certainly um, the pandemic has had a major impact for women who are experiencing domestic abuse. Thanks, Dr. McQuig. That was really comprehensive in setting the scene and detailing how um, the effects of the pandemic have really created a perfect storm for domestic abuse. I wonder if you could speak about how service providers are finding it more difficult to access and assist victims and survivors of domestic abuse during this pandemic. Uh, Yes, certainly, Megan. And the situation has been exacerbated by the fact that at the very time of rising rates of domestic violence, services available to victims were reduced, again due to lockdown and social distancing measures. Um, This meant that, in effect, services were reduced at the time they were most needed. And according to a survey carried out by Women's Aid of service providers, 84% said that they had had to reduce or cancel one or more services, uh, with 36% of refuge providers having to do so. Um, Also, 48% had been impacted by staff off work due to illness and 64% by staff unable to come into work as they were self-isolating. And in addition, it's very important to remember that fundraising activities have been heavily curtailed due to the pandemic. And indeed, 68% of service providers who responded to the survey said that they were concerned about future loss of income uh, from fundraising. So again, the pandemic has certainly um, had a a major impact on service providers and how they can assist uh, victims in this context. Absolutely. Another very concerning part of the shadow pandemic. Dr. McQuig, I I wonder if you could perhaps reflect on the the stay home, stay safe message, which in this context seems to completely obscure the risk that many women face. Is the way we conceptualize risk gendered? And I suppose possibly has the pandemic shone a light on this, that many of us are not safe in our homes? Yes, and indeed, Megan, and indeed the paradox is that for women and indeed men who experience domestic abuse, home can actually be the riskiest place to be. Um, the COVID-19 pandemic is certainly an unprecedented situation which has caused intractable problems for governments worldwide. And it is true that until a vaccine is widely rolled out, at the most basic level, the most effective way of preventing the spread of a contagious virus is to keep people apart as much as possible. Essentially, in the absence of interaction, the virus cannot be transmitted. And that is, of course, the premise behind the lockdown and social distancing measures which have been implemented. 
Essentially, the most effective way to protect oneself from COVID is to remain at home as much as possible and only leave home when it is essential to do so. And so for the majority, home is therefore the safest place, certainly in the context of COVID. However, the paradox for those experiencing domestic violence is that while home may be the safest place to be as regards the COVID pandemic, it is conversely the riskiest place in relation to the shadow pandemic of domestic abuse. And this really is an intractable problem to which there are certainly no easy solutions. Yes, you're making that very clear. And that paradox is particularly difficult in this context. Your own work focuses on how human rights law can be used in relation to violence against women. Can you explain how human rights might be used to address violence against women in the pandemic situation and more generally? Uh, Yes, uh, certainly, Megan. So speaking firstly from a more general uh, perspective, it seems that there are two main ways in which human rights law can be used in relation to domestic violence. The first is a litigation approach, which in the UK essentially means using the Human Rights Act and the case law of the European Court of Human Rights. And since 2007, the European Court has directly addressed the issue of domestic violence in a series of cases in which it established that states have obligations to protect victims of domestic violence under the right to life, which is found in Article 2 of the European Convention on Human Rights, uh, the right to be free from inhuman or degrading treatment, uh, which is found in Article 3, the right to respect for private and family life, which is found in Article 8, and also the Article 14 equality provision. The second approach to using human rights law in relation to domestic violence involves using the statements made by the international human rights bodies on this issue to place pressure on governments to take steps in relation to this issue. None of the UN human rights treaties make any express reference to domestic violence However, the UN human rights bodies have now brought the issue of domestic violence within their scope through the use of provisions such as the right to life, uh, the right not to be subjected to torture or other cruel or inhuman or degrading treatments, uh, the right to equality, the right to liberty and security of person, uh, the right to equal protection under the law and so on. Various categories of recommendations have been made to states as regards uh, their responses to domestic violence. These include the adoption of measures relating to improving their criminal justice systems, improving measures of civil protection, uh, providing social support measures to victims and so on. 
these statements which can be which have been made by the UN human rights bodies can be used in a campaigning way to place pressure on governments to take further steps as regards improving their responses to domestic violence. Now, um, focusing on the responses of the UN human rights bodies to the specific issue of COVID and uh, domestic abuse. In March 2020, uh, the UN Special Rapporteur on Violence Against Women issued a statement on domestic violence in the context of COVID-19. In this statement, she commented that for too many women and children, home can be a place of fear and abuse. That situation worsens considerably in cases of isolation, such as the lockdowns imposed during the COVID-19 pandemic. And she proceeded to say that all states should make significant efforts to address the COVID-19 threat, but they should not leave behind women and children victims of domestic violence, as this could lead to an increase of domestic violence, including intimate partner femicides. And the special rapporteur also stated that the risk is aggravated in a time when there are no or fewer shelters and help services available for victims, when it is difficult to access those that are still open, and when there is less community support, fewer police interventions and less access to justice as many courts are closed and that to make matters worse, restrictions of movement, financial constraints and generalised uncertainty embolden perpetrators and provide them with additional power and control. And it certainly seems that the Special Rapporteur's predictions have indeed come to fruition. The UN Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, which is also known as CEDAW Committee, has issued a guidance note on CEDAW and COVID-19, in which it states that during confinement, women and girls are at increased risk of domestic, sexual, economic, psychological and other forms of gender-based violence by abusive partners. States parties have a due diligence obligation to prevent and protect women from and hold perpetrators accountable for gender-based violence against women. They should ensure that women and girls who are victims or at risk of gender-based violence have effective access to justice, particularly to protection orders, medical and psychosocial assistance, shelters and rehabilitation programmes. Given the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and the measures taken to control it on levels of domestic abuse, UN Women has made a range of recommendations to governments and to civil society organisations. These recommendations relate to violence against women more broadly, 
rather than being focused solely on domestic violence. However, they are generally very applicable to domestic violence. Also, it should be noted that the UN agencies generally view the issue of domestic violence as simply a subcategory of violence against women. And this is reflected in the language of the recommendations. However, very importantly, it must be remembered that men also can experience domestic abuse. So firstly, uh, UN Women recommend that governments allocate additional resources to address violence against women in COVID national response plans. Services for women who have experienced violence should be treated as essential services and it is recommended that the capacity of shelters should be expanded, including repurposing other spaces such as empty hotels or education institutions to accommodate quarantine and social distancing requirements. Also, helplines and online counselling should be strengthened. Uh, UN Women also recommends the adoption of measures to raise awareness among the police and judiciary regarding the increase of violence against women during COVID-19 and to provide training on how to respond, protect and refer victims and survivors to appropriate services. Support for grassroots organisations should be ensured, particularly those that provide essential services to hard to reach, remote or vulnerable populations. And it is also recommended that data should be collected on the incidence of violence against women, including domestic violence, and on the needs and capacity of services to respond to increased demand in the context of COVID. UN Women has also made a number of recommendations to civil society groups, such as building strong advocacy and awareness regarding increased violence against women during COVID, proactively challenging gender stereotypes accentuated under COVID circumstances, such as increased household care work for women, with targeted messages for men in order to encourage healthy ways of coping with stressful situations, and engaging with media outlets in order to raise the visibility of increased violence against women, demonstrating how the risk factors that drive violence are exacerbated in the context of COVID-19. However, although bodies such as the UN entities have certainly put forward a number of very meritorious uh, recommendations, even if these were all to be implemented by governments, it is still unlikely that the impact of lockdown and social distancing measures on rates of domestic violence would be entirely negated. 
essentially the COVID-19 pandemic is a health issue in ways which go beyond cases of the virus itself. Uh, For example, in relation to issues such as domestic abuse, and it is likely to remain so until such times as the vaccine is widely rolled out. Thanks, Dr. McQuig. That is a wide range of solutions that human rights mechanisms or human rights instruments are seeking to provide in this context. I wonder if you could just quickly comment on whether or not you've seen any evidence of any of these working in maybe the UK context. Has international pressure or pressure from the UN or the CEDAW committee or the UN Rapporteur, has that any tangible effect? Well, sort of speaking generally rather than in relation uh, to COVID specifically, certainly um, the technique of using statements made by the international human rights uh, bodies has had an impact in various situations around the world. For example, in relation to uh, non-governmental organisations, have used uh, these statements in their campaigns in order to place pressure on governments to take steps in relation to various issues. I suppose it's always difficult in terms of sorting out a sort of cause effect because generally when changes happen they tend to be as a result of various factors working together it's hard sometimes to ascertain exactly the specific impact that particular factors have had however I think it's certainly fair to say that the statements that have been made by bodies like the UN bodies have had an impact in terms of changing uh, situations. As regards COVID-19 pandemic uh, situation specifically, I think at the moment it's probably too early really to say whether the statements that have been made by the UN bodies have actually had an impact in terms of the responses of states in relation to domestic abuse. As far as I'm aware, um, no studies have to date been carried out on whether all these statements that have been made by the UN bodies have actually had an impact on how governments respond to domestic abuse, specifically in the context of uh, COVID-19. However, perhaps that is um, an issue that there will be research carried out on in the future. So finally, looking to the future, we have seen the beginning of vaccinations and possibly a sliver of hope that this might be the end of the immediate public health crisis. However, we know that the effects of the pandemic will continue to be felt across society in many ways, even after the immediate risk to health has passed. What do you think the long-term legacy of COVID-19 will be with regards to domestic abuse? Well, I think, Megan, it is certainly very likely that the pandemic will impact upon the issue of domestic abuse, even after the immediate risk to health due to COVID has passed. The economic impact of the pandemic will be felt for a long time, thus causing financial strains which can contribute to the occurrence of domestic 
domestic violence. Also, charities which provide support to victims have had their fundraising activities substantially curtailed due to the pandemic, and it will take time for such shortfalls to be made up. However, uh, to end on a slightly more positive note, the issue of domestic abuse during the pandemic has attracted media coverage and that may help to raise public awareness of domestic violence in the longer term. Yes, indeed. As you say, the awareness factor and particularly drawing attention to the fact that people are not safe in their own homes is perhaps a a legacy of COVID and domestic abuse. The awareness raising work has been supercharged in this context. So, Dr. McQuig, that just leaves me to say thank you very much for joining us on LawPod and bringing your research and your expertise to explore this incredibly pressing issue. Thank you very much. Thank you very much indeed, Megan.